My name's Broderick Matthews, and welcome to This Was The News. Today, we'll be reading the newspaper, as we always do here on 1RPH, but with a little bit of a twist. All today's news stories were published 90 years ago, on 25th of December, 1931. So sit back and enjoy some news from old, as I present to you a Christmas Day edition of This Was The News. Welcome listeners and a Merry Christmas to everyone tuning in here on 1RPH. My name is Broderick Matthews and it's a pleasure to present This Was The News to you. All readings today are coming from local papers, but from 90 years ago. That's right, readings are from the 25th of December in 1931. We're going to kick off with stories from the Canberra Times. And why not start with a Christmas piece? This story is headlined, The Challenge of Christmas. On earth, peace, goodwill toward men. That cry rang out in a world steeped in the darkness of paganism nearly 20 centuries ago to announce the advent of the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ, is being reiterated at this season. Then, because of the spiritual darkness of the earth, few were interested and few heard the glad tidings. Now, because of the difference made by Christ's coming, the whole world takes up the cry. There is not a corner of the earth where people will not celebrate with rejoicing the birth of Christ. Even in Russia, where efforts have been made to suppress Christmas, the event cannot pass unnoticed. Now, this editorial continues on in quite a Christian fashion, But seeing as we're here to focus on the news on 1RPH, we're going to jump over to some of the articles in the Canberra Times from December 25, 1931. This headline reads, Holiday Bus to Cotter River on Boxing Day. An experimental holiday bus service from Canberra to the Cotter River is advertised in today's issue and is available on Boxing Day, December 26. Connection is available from the northern and southern divisions of the City Area Omnibus Service, linking with special buses at Adelaide Avenue. The Department of Home Affairs is unable to cater for more than about 80 passengers on this service, tickets for which will be available on the city buses mentioned in the advertisement. This arrangement is intended to afford an opportunity for a pleasant day near the attractive environment of the Cotter River and the swimming pool at the junction of the Cotter and Paddy's Rivers. If the patronage extended this service justifies a repetition of the arrangement, a similar service will be operated on New Year's Day. Yes, that's right. Swimming in the Cotter across summer, folks, it's not a modern pastime, according to the Canberra Times, 90 years ago. Moving on to the next headline now, car collision at dangerous bend. Drivers escape injury. A head-on collision between two motor cars outside the number one secretariat yesterday served to demonstrate the dangerous condition of the bend at the junction of the streets passing before and behind Parliament House. No one was injured. But the drivers, Albert Townsend of the Customs Department and Matron Everett Smith of Canberra Hospital, had fortunate escapes from serious injury. 
Both vehicles were considerably damaged. Mr Townsend, who for several months has been in ill health, was returning from the hospital towards Hotel Currajong at the time of the impact, and Miss Smith was driving in the opposite direction. At this corner, vision is obscured by the growth of trees on the post office side of the roadway. The course of the collision is attributed to these trees. All I can say is, luckily, folks, the cars of the 1930s were a little bit slower than our cars now, so it was good to hear both drivers survived. Moving on to politics news now, because what else would there be in Canberra? Now, while we're waiting for an election to be called in the present day, they just held one in 1931, and this article headlines that with new ministry to take over in New Year, probably January 6th. The Prime Minister, Mr Scullin, and other ministers will visit Canberra on January 5, when the last meeting of the existing Federal Cabinet will be held for the purpose of paving the way for Mr Lyons to take office. Mr Lyons and his ministry will probably be sworn in at Government House on the morning of January 6, after which Mr Scullin will formally hand over to the leader of the United Australia Party. Yes, changing ministry from the election from Scullin to Lyons. And in more important politics news, Mr Blakely returns to Canberra, says the headline, opening of new bar. When the Minister for Home Affairs, Mr Blakely, returned to Canberra yesterday after his victory in the Darling electorate, he was the recipient of many congratulations from many friends in Canberra. One of Mr Blakely's first official actions on his return was to open officially the new bar at Hotel Canberra. It is intended that similar facilities, which are being installed at Hotel Currajong, will be opened early in the new year. Sounds like the politicians here in Canberra were being very well serviced. Moving on to world news now in the Canberra Times for December 25, 1931, and this piece comes to us from Germany. Germany cannot pay finding of Basel Conference. Reduction of reparations and war debts essential to avert catastrophe. The advisory committee reports that Germany will be unable to resume the repayment of the Young Plan conditional annuities after the expiration of the Hoover Moratorium. The report points out that the Young Plan envisaged a continual expansion of world trade within the limits of which reparations have become a factor of diminishing importance. On the contrary, world trade has collapsed. The fall in the price of gold increased Germany's annuity burdens. Germany's problem, which was largely the cause of the world's increasing financial paralysis, necessitates common action by the governments and must be treated as a world problem, not exclusively a German problem. The crisis has now assumed tremendous dimensions, and if not counteracted, further catastrophe is likely. The only permanent step for the restoration of confidence is the reduction of reparations and war debts to meet the needs of the world upheaval. Yes, interesting times in 1931, in between the world wars of course, and at a time of the depression coming towards an end too, but certainly many financial effects being felt around the world. Meanwhile, moving across to Calcutta now, this piece headlined Congress War Civil Disobedience Again. 
Gandhi loses control, leaders talk violence. The warlike mood of the National Congress is growing apace. From all quarters, it is evident that they are trying to produce a situation throughout the country, which will leave Gandhi, when he arrives at Bombay on Monday, with no option but to declare a revival of the civil disobedience campaign. Already a number of congressmen have been jailed as a result of the no-rent campaign in the United Provinces, and the leaders openly declare that they are prepared to go to jail in the recommenced struggle against the government. Moving from world news now to something a little bit closer to home, lots of Sydney news featured in the Canberra Times. Here's the first piece on Christmas traffic. Heavy traffic on the railways, train 1,000 feet long. An indication of the Christmas revival was provided by the spectacle of extraordinarily long lines of trains from all divisions of the country. The Western Mail this morning was over 1,000 feet in length. Railway officials state that the railway traffic this Christmas is well up to that of last year. And with plenty going on for Christmas, there's sure to be a bit of crime around as well. And the paper certainly reported on plenty of it. The first piece I have is safe blowers fail in post office. Thieves last night attempted to blow open a safe at Willoughby Post Office. They forced open the back window and had attached a fuse with a detonator to a small iron safe. They were apparently disturbed, for the fuse had not been lighted. Nothing was stolen. But speaking of stolen, this headline says, Pickpocket with world record. When Lillian Jones, 34, was remanded at the Central Court today on a charge of being a suspected person, the police prosecutor told the court that the defendant had an international criminal record. He said that it was alleged that the woman was picking pockets in a city store. In other crime news, suspect escapes. Constable fires shots in vain. Ignoring three shots fired by a police motorcyclist at Haberfield early this morning, a man made good his escape. Constable Peterkin, who is on beat in Hawthorne Parade, noticed two youths acting in a suspicious manner with a motorcycle. He questioned the lads, and one declared that the cycle was the property of his brother. One of the youths then dashed off, mounted the cycle, and rode off down the street. Peterkin gave chase, fired three shots, and called on the fugitive to stop. The constable hailed a passing motorist and scoured the district, but without result. And the final crime story coming out of Sydney is titled Pepper Again. Bandits coup in broad daylight, theatre manager robbed. While Gregory Zarka, the secretary of the Enmore Theatre, was carrying last night's takings towards the bank at Enmore this morning, two men rushed up to him and grabbed him by the arm while another threw cayenne pepper from a small white bag into his face. He suffered agonising pain and raised his hand to his face, whereupon one of the men punched him, while another kicked him on the shins and knocked him down. A third man tugged at the chained bag at his wrist containing 80 pounds, with the result that he had to let go, as he could not stand being kicked any longer. The men immediately ran to a waiting car and drove off. The hold-up was apparently well planned. Zarka was treated at a local surgery, 
the doctor injecting cocaine to relieve the pain of the cayenne pepper in his eyes. Certainly an interesting treatment for the doctors of uh, 1931, but uh, hopefully it made him feel a bit better. Finally, from the back page of the Canberra Times now, playing with a scorpion. A magnificent nine-inch scorpion, the largest and most perfect specimen within living memory, arrived at the London Zoo from the Gold Coast recently. Its coming has brought joy to Mr H.B. Brown of the Insect House, who has an uncanny knack of making friends with the most violent snakes, spiders and other queer pupils who come under his wing. The oily fellow from the Gold Coast had hardly settled down before he was roaming up and down Mr Brown's arm. Mr Brown describes how it feels to be bitten by a scorpion or one of the vitriolic insects he looks after. I've been bitten and stung more times than I can remember, he said. It usually happens when he thinks you're trying to corner him. He jerks his head back and there's a queer mark on your thumb. You can feel the poison running up your arm. I get the bite cauterised within a few minutes of being attacked and I always find I'm quite fit afterwards. And with that piece of quirky news from the back page of the Canberra Times for December 25, 1931, we're going to close that paper and see what else we can find locally. My name is Broderick Matthews and you're listening to This Was The News on 1RPH where we turn print into sound. But today we're turning the print of 1931 into sound because all these readings come from December 25, 1931. Let's open the Daily Advertiser from Wagga now with the headline Christmas Eve, Busy Night in Wagga. Wagga last night presented a busier scene than it had done on a Christmas Eve for the last two or three years. Evidently, the change of government resulting from the election of last week has already produced a feeling of confidence which was reflected in freer spending for the Christmas season. It was a fine night and not hot, and the main streets for almost their whole length were densely packed on the shopping side, with the usual big overflow into Gurwood Street. There was a loud and continuous buzz of merry converse, the calling to one another of Christmas greetings, and the sound of trumpet, whistle and drum, as small boys, unseen but not unheard, bored their way through the packed throngs. Many people, of course, left their shopping until the eleventh hour, with the result that business places were crowded several deep at the counters, with clamouring customers who, as the last hour from nine o'clock to ten o'clock was passing, began to fear that their needs would not be supplied. With such a rush, it was impossible to maintain order in the stores, and shelves were emptied as goods were piled on the counters without time to return them to their places, while in some cases what at sundown had been attractively dressed windows rapidly became scenes of chaos. Albeit a good-humoured crowd filled with the spirit of goodwill towards all men, of which in the early hours of this morning they were reminded by the waits and carolers. 
Christmas 1931 certainly seemed to ring the death knell on that ugly word, depression. And continuing the news from the Wagga Daily Advertiser, Beach Carnival is the headline. Tomorrow, a big beach carnival will be held at the Wagga Bathing Beach. Elaborate preparations have been made for the carnival, which promises to be the best held in Wagga for many years. Numerous novelties have been included in the program, and the interest of patrons will be sustained until the last event is over. In addition to the many attractions, there will be speedboat contests, canoe races, aquaplaning, swimming events and life-saving displays. Life-saving clubs from several towns, including Tumut, Adelong and Gundagai, have signified their intention of taking part. As the proceeds are entirely in aid of the life-saving club and the ambulance, it is anticipated that there will be a bumper attendance if the weather keeps fine and hot. Refreshments will be obtainable on the beach. And this piece of quirky news out of the USA was published by Wagga and talks about love letters. Talking love letters are the latest fad of youths and girls in New York. For a shilling in the slot, one may enter a booth, speak into a microphone for a minute and a half, walk out with a gramophone record of the message, ending many times with a sound like a kiss, and post it on the spot. For two shillings, one may talk for twice as long, and for four shillings, for five minutes. What a technical marvel coming out of 1931. Let's continue the news and into local pieces now from the Wagga Daily Advertiser. A large cod. What is regarded as a record cod fish was caught in the Burrinjuk Dam last week. It weighed 90 pounds. In the 80s, that would be the 1880s, listeners, a member of the well-known Thompson family who lived in Tarcutter Street, Wagga, caught a 90-pound cod in Horns Paddock on the downstream side of the Wagga Railway Bridge. Fish weighing more than 100 pounds have been caught in the Murray River. And from important fishing news to an important report on the schools, and this on the Aura School Concert. On Wednesday last night, the Aura School broke up for the Christmas vacation with a very successful concert and Christmas tree. The items contributed by the pupils exceeded all expectations, and Mr Moy, the teacher, well deserved the congratulations which poured in from all sides on the successful manner in which he had trained the pupils. Mr Moy thanked all who had helped to arrange the staging. Mr Harry Prowse responded on behalf of the parents and spoke in eulogistic terms of the teacher and his pupils. He said he was quite satisfied that, with Mr Moy as teacher, the hour children could be trained to accomplish anything. Miss Kath O'Halloran delighted her audience with a recitation of The Blue Lagoon, and Miss Alma Moy's rendering of a Spanish dance was perfect. With the singing of Auld Lang Syne by the pupils and the national anthem by everyone, was ended one of the most pleasant evenings spent at Aura for a considerable time. And with that pleasant news, we might close the Wagga Advertiser and see if we can find another on the 25th of December 1931.
You're listening to This Was The News on 1RPH, where we turn print into sound. Today we're reading the news as we always do, but this time it's coming from 90 years ago. Yes, all these stories are from December 25, 1931. Over to the Burrower News now, and they have a story on the Burrower Band. The headline says, Burrower Band will play in streets early hours of Christmas morning. The Burrower Town and District Band, the members of which have been practising assiduously for some time past and are in very good form, intends playing in the streets of Burrower during the early hours of Christmas morning, which will be a rather unique experience for Burrower. The band will play around the town on Christmas morning at 4am, at which they will take up a collection, and the committee have agreed to allow them to collect on their own account. For years, the bandsmen have been giving their services for nothing, and it is not asking too much to allow this collection to go to their own personal selves. The band is a valuable asset to our town, and we have pleasure in wishing it continued prosperity for 1932, and its members a bright Christmas, which they have made many times bright for the Boroa people. Well, good luck to the band to make some money. Uh, At 4am, though, I think people might be paying them to move on and stop playing. But if you do enjoy a bit of music, this article on the old and new ball at the Mechanics Institute Borrower might interest you. Readers are reminded of this function for New Year's Eve, Thursday 31st December, and it is to be hoped that every well-wisher of the Institute and its activities, especially the library, will turn up in full force and make this ball the success it deserves. Lovers of dancing will be well catered for, and with a specially prepared floor and music and supper of the highest order, no complaints shall be forthcoming. The revelry will begin at 8.30 on New Year's Eve and continue till 4am. A strong committee of ladies will look after the wants of the hungry dancers and the arrangements generally will leave nothing to be desired. So roll up, everyone, and carry out your first footing and offer your time-honoured New Year greetings at the Mechanics Institute on New Year's Eve. Well, that sounds like a New Year's Eve party to remember, folks. Dancing and supper of the highest order. You can't go wrong. Now, I know many folks like to go to the movies on Boxing Day, and that was no different back in 1931 with this piece on one of the latest pictures. Riotous fun, mad waggery in new film. Filled with mad waggery, riotous fun and delirious nonsense, the Cuckoos all-talking musical playing at the Empire Theatre this Saturday is an innovation in sound pictures. Radio Pictures has stepped out into the lead among producers by introducing an all-comedy entertainment at the time audiences are satiated with drawing-room dramas, backstage stories and underworld melodramas. The Cuckoos is not a musical review. It is a full-length production based on a well-developed plot, with the comedy sequences holding full sway. Gorgeously produced, with scenes in Technicolor, The Cuckoos stands alone as a brand new type of screen entertainment. It is an extravaganza of delirious nonsense, starring the mad wags of Rio Rita fame, Bert Wheeler and Robert Wolsey, and boasting a notable cast of featured players. 
Wheeler and Woolsey, who scored sensationally in their first picture, Rio Rita, carry practically all the action of the Cuckoos. They frolic madly through the broadcast of comedy, which is said to be the most amusing of its kind ever brought to pictures. Romance is not neglected, however. June Clyde and Hugh Trevor provide the heart interest in most capable fashion. That sounds like a great film to go and see, folks. So if you get the chance, make sure you check out The Cuckoos. And Burrow is also reporting on out-of-town news. Business booms again at Young, says the headline, Town of Smiles. As far as Young is concerned, the depression appears to have lifted. Stores report that last Saturday was one of the busiest Saturdays experienced for years. And the number on the dole has decreased by nearly a 100 during the past four weeks. Local car registrations have leaped from £2 to £3 a week to an average of £60 for the last fortnight. This in spite of the fact that the cherry crop was the lightest for many years. And in fact, you can still get your cherries from young. Hopefully, it's a good crop this year despite all this late rain. Finally, to finish off this special Christmas episode, reading from December 25, 1931, the Boorah News has this message for Christmas. Glimpses of blue sky suggest that economic storm clouds are passing and that a year of tragic suspense and saddening casualties is drawing to a happier close. Thus, Christmas dawns, at least in semi-sunshine, the silver of its bells sounding a sweeter truce to strain and strife than even the bugles which proclaim an armistice. It symbolises anew the ageless rebirth of a divine humanity, expressed in universal kinship and kindliness. Time pauses while eternity whispers its soothing reassurance. Even if it be true, as scientists have prophesied, that delicate instruments will yet be designed to catch the still persisting sounds of vanished peoples, which of us would halt over long to hear them. Incomparably more wonderful is the joyous message from the manger, which speaks through 2,000 years to every soul attuned. When dark clouds obstruct the shining, wait a while till things come right. There's always just that silver lining, making the dull days bright. We extend to our numerous subscribers, advertisers and the public generally a bright and happy Christmas and a prosperous new year. And with that hope-filled message from the Burua News, I'd like to finish the reading and echo their message from us here at One RPH and say Merry Christmas, everyone. I hope you enjoyed listening to these news stories from December 25, 1931. My name's Broderick Matthews, and this was the news. All source material from This Was The News is found online through the National Library of Australia's Trove website. The theme music is from Beethoven's Symphony No. 6 and sourced under public domain from newsopen.org. If you enjoyed today's show, you can email thiswasthenews at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to This Was The News on 1RPH.